Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Indeed, you can tweet this morning at C103Cork or email jp at c103.ie. A lot to get through on this morning's show. A lot of calls we will get through from yesterday's show. Big reaction to the issue of slow and fast drivers on our roadway, especially our email from Joe. And Joe was telling us the story of how she was behind behind a slow driver but also not only her five cars were behind a slow driver and basically after 20 minutes people got frustrated and they started passing out this slow driver on various points of the road that were dangerous and Joe made the point that she felt slow drivers should get penalty points as much as fast drivers. Now, that caused huge debate then towards the end of the show yesterday. Uh, people were against that idea and a lot of texters and callers felt that slow drivers are entitled to drive that way and are not causing harm on our roads and that frustrated drivers should not be on the roads if that's the way they behave behind a slow driver. A lot of people felt that fast drivers were the ones who do speed and do end up being killed on our roads or cause accidents on our roads uh, and a lot of people overall felt that it was unfair on what Joe said but Joe stands by what she emailed in and she even heard the comments yesterday evening and she emailed back to say no I stand by what I said I think those people are incorrect I think if you're not confident enough on the road Joe says to drive then you should not be on the road no excuse in driving at 30 or 40k on a 100k road is what Joe's reaction to those comments a lot more comments in on slow drivers and fast drivers on our roadways. A lot of good comments as well explaining what needs to be done to a road network, not to mind to drivers' attitudes. Anyhow, we'll get to that between now and one on the show and I'll get to a lot of those calls shortly actually because there's a, a lot of people who want to get in on that particular conversation. But ahead on the show, and you may have seen this on social media yesterday evening and indeed this morning, we have a photo on the C103 Facebook page. A snake found in Yole. Yes, a member of the Coast, of the Yall Coast Guard unit uh, was walking along the beach yesterday in Yall near the boardwalk and spotted a snake. Uh, so they did the necessary uh, contacting authorities and that but we're going to speak to the person that actually came across uh, that snake yesterday in the Yall area. We'll speak with him shortly on the programme. 
And also, uh, we're speaking about roads there and, and how fast or slow a driver would go. Uh, there is plans to protect, or there was plans anyhow, to protect cyclists in law. Uh, those plans now are being abandoned by the Transport Minister, Shane Ross. Cyclists are less than impressed at him for this. Others then are wondering, well, how could they enforce this particular law? Uh, this law we're talking about is that cars stay 1.5 metres from cyclists when they're passing them out. Uh, but a lot of people felt, how could you enforce that law? If you went to court, would you have people saying, well, I was 1.3 metres, I was 1.4 metres? It would be difficult to enforce and difficult to prove how much a car would be outside the bike. Anyhow, discussing that on the show, uh, on the fact that cyclists are less than pressed, but then are people saying overall, and are you a driver wondering how could the Gardaí police this particular law and how would you know exactly if a driver was 1.5 metres from cyclists discussing that this morning the Belly Hay says no group we spoke to them over the years and one of the first areas of, of not only Cork but the country to start off a march and a protest march at the start against the bank bailout and the, the bank debt that we're all paying here in this country. You and me paying so much every day for Ireland's banking debt. A lot of people unhappy with that across the nation but I think over the years it's not spoken about of. Betty Hayes says no will continue their first march for 2019 to keep this issue in the news, to keep this issue highlighted that each and every one of us continue to pay the bank debt of this particular country and from a lot of people frustration for them because if people are trying to get mortgages they're finding it tough to get the money they need to get a mortgage savings to prove to the bank that they are entitled to a certain mortgage or trying to get a good enough amount from the bank to afford to buy a house because house prices are gone so high at the moment in the Cork area. So that's one thing. We're bailing out the banks but still they're not entitling a lot of people to get on the property ladder. They have rules and regulations as well then to obey from the central bank. So you can see it from the bank's point of view but you can also see it from people who are frustrated uh, that we have bailed out the banks. Of course, the big thing here then is when there was low house prices, no mortgages were being handed out from the banks. And the other side of this is how many banks have sold mortgages and sold loans to vulture funds. And then the vulture fund companies are coming into this country and kicking people out of their homes as they're finding it difficult to pay back their mortgage. Anyhow, a lot of that frustrates people. And that is why Bally Hay says no is one of the groups who are continuing uh, to protest and, and march to highlight the issue of people paying for bank debt in this particular country. We'll speak to them on the show this morning and it is the first few days of the new year. A lot of people are still discussing about getting healthy and one thing that when we were speaking to Annalisa on Wednesday was people outside of the uh, diet getting fish and people taking up walking or want to attend the gym but sometimes people are turned off going to a gym or even turned off going for a walk dressing up in a tracksuit and going for a walk in the local area uh, because it just uh, they feel that what will people think of me if I go into a gym and sit down what, am I going to be compared to others in the gym what will others think of me and if you're going for a walk what will the locals see or, or say with me wearing a tracksuit and going for a walk that does go through people's minds because we got texts and on that uh, people not sure how to go about joining a gym or would they be ashamed going into a gym uh, for various reasons of their own anyhow we're going to discuss that with Alistair Hart who is a personal trainer has a business and is in the business of gyms and he is going to explain 
not to be afraid to go out and walk but why there is a perception of that not to be afraid to go to a gym because everybody is in the same boat anyhow we'll discuss that on the show this morning if you are in that mind frame whereby you want to get fit but you're slow about how to go about it or maybe for our people might be listening going oh that's stupid no one thinks that way some people just have a perception they might be underweight they might be overweight and they feel they're not the right shape to attend the gym even though they're going there to get in shape a lot of people are embarrassed and are slow to say that on a public forum so we've got a lot of calls here and we're going to discuss that this morning on the show as well your calls are welcome on that issue if you were like that and maybe you've turned your life around from getting fit over the last year or so more also on the opt-out system we spoke about yesterday when it comes to organ donation and your calls and comments welcome 1850-333-103 and you can text a WhatsApp 86 you can email across the morning jp at c103.ie I know our phone lines were very busy yesterday uh, towards the end of the show especially dealing with the issue of slow and fast drivers if our phone lines are busy and you find it hard to get through and I know a lot of people are on Facebook also uh, you can always message us on Facebook and we can get back to you that way as well or text or WhatsApp 86 103 Cork today on a Friday morning your calls and comments are welcome Bernie takes those 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 86 103 uh, some stories making headlines this morning one of those is that it looks like here in Cork we are going to get a Lewis it's on track to come to Cork. Uh, the Tornish uh, has come out, Simon Coveney that is, and he has said it is full steam ahead for a Lewis-style tram system in the Cork area. It will be similar to that in Dublin, the light rail system. Uh, there's talks that it could be nicknamed the Cluis rather than the Lewis and it is part of the long-awaited Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Study uh, that continues to be prepared but it looks like it is going to go ahead and there will be a Lewis light rail system here in Cork Uh, Previous reports said that the Lewis system would go to certain areas of Cork City and County, but it seems at this stage it would go to the metropolitan area. um, That depends to be argued as well on what exactly is uh, the metropolitan area of Cork, but I'm sure they'll figure that out over the next few months. But for the moment, Lewis on the way. Uh, to Cork. The one thing is, I was looking at a photo that my colleague here at the radio station, Rob Adam, put up on his Facebook over the Christmas period and one of the pictures he put up uh, was an old photo of Cork and at that stage, whenever the picture was, there was a light rail system in place in Cork City and of course we all know there was a train service running to various areas of Cork County as well. Uh, for example, to Yall, to McCroom, to areas of West Cork, uh, they're all gone and so was the light rail system taken up in Cork and a lot of people when they when Rob was making the point that we had all these facilities and now they're gone and they dug them all up took them away because they were moving towards or people were moving towards cars I'm not too sure if, if the demand uh, for the trams at that stage was reducing or not is that why they took them away uh, but now we're spending money again to put back in the tracks I presume over the years they would need to modernise uh, the rail tracks anyway uh, for that light rail system that was in the city but you'd wonder the waste of money that was there removing them uh, changing all the road networks and now we're going to have to dig up the streets again and lay down tracks and put back a light rail system in Cork so you would wonder about the decisions made in the past anyhow uh, it looks like it is coming back and the close to over 12,000 people were struck down by flu last year figures have come out by the HSC that they tripled last year people getting the flu again from December 29th the HSC see a rise in people attending hospitals and indeed doctor surgeries because of flu 
flu-like conditions and Apple of course with their European headquarters in Holly Hill uh, Apple are warning because of weak Chinese sales They're looking at the overall global economy and their fears are out now for the health of the global economy because the sales of Apple phones obviously in China and the Chinese market is down and that is giving an indication of the first time for a long time that there could be a global downturn because if people aren't investing in uh, high value products is it that they don't have the money to do so and while we have been warned by economists last year that the end of this year could see a downturn still things on the rise in certain parts of the world we can only see that with house prices and also yesterday evening and yesterday afternoon I'm sure you saw this on TV news Leo Varadkar on Taoiseach was out and he is saying that nobody will go hungry uh, due to food shortages over Brexit despite what is coming out regarding a hard Brexit and uh, the deals regarding getting goods transferred across Europe he is saying that here in Ireland that nobody will go hungry due to Brexit and what about the couple in Northern Ireland in County Armagh who won and scooped the Euro Millions jackpot of 127 million euros it's a huge amount of money I must say and they're going public and you might ask where they're going public well they feel and a lot of people feel that how do you hide uh, if you win that amount of money how can you hide that amount of money they are set to go public I think today it is uh, to reveal that they have won this money but the big question is if you did win that amount of money 127 million euros would you go public or would you decide to keep it quiet collect the money do what you need to do with the money but keep it quiet would you go public I mean for a million euros would you go public probably not I mean a million euros even though it sounds like a lot of money if you were to invest that and maybe buy yourself a new home a new car invest it with your children or, or whatever you do or give the charity whatever you do you still would have money left over but you, you go through a million euros fairly fast if you were going buying expensive goods and were investing in a new house or a new car and that type of thing or doing up a house or whatever so you wouldn't use it all but you would invest it and you would go through it so you might not go public for a million euros but for uh, the amount of money of 127 million euros would you go public let me know your thoughts on that they are in Armagh 1850 333 103 lines open text or whatsapp 086 2103 103 we're going to y'all next find out more about the snake that was found in y'all court today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 and that couple I spoke about from Northern Ireland winning the lotto they have just come forward and have just been uh, at a press conference and they're Francis and Patrick Connolly uh, from Armagh so well done to them on their Euro Millions Lotto win and also if you're in the Kilcorny area essential water repairs are going on there today you'd have no water in various areas of Kilcorny from now until 5pm this evening and yesterday evening while walking near the boardwalk in Yall a member of Yall Coast Guard came across a snake yeah and that member was Michael Lee who was officer in charge at Yall Coast Guard unit and he joins me good morning to you Michael Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. First of all, tell us how this came about. How did you notice uh, this was, was a snake, and how did you notice this yesterday? Um, just a casual walk on the boardwalk uh, just after lunch yesterday, and um, about halfway along the boardwalk, I spotted this object on the sand, which looked like a snake, and was a snake about just about a metre and a half long, in perfect condition. Um, 
Now, on investigation, because I see the approach with caution, as you can imagine, <laughs> it's not every day you see a snake, you know, in on the beach anywhere in this country. Yeah, because for a split second, you must have been looking, realising, was it just a bit of rope or something washed up, or was it actually yeah, a snake? Yeah, it did look like that. It did, to be honest. No, um, I haven't got up close to it. I did see that it was a snake. I have seen, you know, from my work over the years in Africa and everything, I was able, quickly able to identify it was a snake. Um, no, um, the fact that it was in perfect condition, I got a stick just to, to prod it a little bit and make sure, first of all, it was dead, which it was. So not being able to identify it, I said, you know, it would be a hazard to, you know, children or anybody that could have picked it up. I mean, who knows? So it just then brought it to a safer location, uh, contacted our own rescue coordinated centre in Dublin to get their advice. And um, the fact that we were able to confirm that it was dead, it then it will be passed over to Cork County Council, like it would be the authority for removing dead animals or anything like that from the beach. So uh, they were contacted, and in due course, they did come and take it away. And has anybody figured out at this stage what type of snake it is? I know there's a lot of reports on social media, people saying it's this type of snake, that type of snake. Anything official confirmed yet? Uh, nothing official to, to my knowledge yet. I mean, as you rightly said, there was a lot of comments on social media. Was it a Californian king snake? Was it a turtle-headed snake? At, at the moment, I could not confirm what kind of a snake it was a snake. <laughs> And is this the first time, as your work with a Coast Guard, you've come across snakes that have been washed up, or is it Absolutely. something you've come across before? And yeah, for the first, because when I did get onto our coordinating centre in Dublin, it was the first for them as well. Very unusual. And like we've over the years, we've often recovered dolphins, seals, whales, dead, alive, everything. But this, this definitely was the first. And you mentioned there is it that you were in Africa at, at some stage, so you, you have come across snakes before, is it? I have, I have definitely, I have many times over the years I've been on many assignments in Africa and uh, notably it would be South Sudan I've come across a lot of them you know speaking cobras and all that but this was a a different like a colourful checkered you probably saw the photograph there Yeah and the photo by the way is on the C103 Facebook page as well if people want to check it out because it was the old Coast Guard uh, put that up on their own Facebook yesterday so we've shared that on the C103 Facebook and would you be familiar with snakes so that you were in Africa I mean the assignments you speak about there were those assignments dealing with with wildlife or doing a similar job with Coast Guard um, Assignments with the Irish Rapid Response and the United Nations um, World Food Programme over the years for over 20 years doing in and out of Africa doing that sort of work in emergencies So, so you would have come across them there yeah snakes, except expert enough to keep well away from them <laughs> Yeah You knew not to hang around too long Exactly <laughs> Especially exactly. in Africa if you came across them there a different type yeah. of snake So do we know what's going to happen now with this particular snake it's gone into as you say to the various authorities uh, and, and they don't know as yet if it's escaped or, or, or who, who owned the snake or how it came there we don't know what happens at this stage with the snake yeah, I mean, It didn't look like it had been in the water it was above the high water line uh, the tides at the moment are not that terribly strong they're just over 3 metres so it it didn't look like any animal that would have been any length of time in the water. So maybe did someone just discard it there or did something like a core seagull pick it up somewhere and just dropped it there? I have no idea. But 
hopefully we might find out. Yeah, hopefully we will. And I mean, you've been, how long are you with the Coast Guard there on Yall? Um, the officer in charge in the local unit here was over 10 years. And have you ever come across various unusual items washed up on the beach over the years outside of snakes uh, or, or, or animals? Anything else washed up? Uh, not really. Nothing anything out of the ordinary as such. No. There has been a lot of bad weather over the last few weeks and we've had southeasterly wind which brings in a lot of debris onto the beach which there is at the moment. But it didn't show, this did not show any signs of having been in the water. Yeah, so it possibly could have been uh, yeah. a pesher or something that, that escaped. We're not too sure. Uh, doubtful. I, I presume someone didn't dump a snake on the beach. If the, if this, well, I'd hope not. You'd anyway. hope not. That, that no, someone didn't have a pet snake and died and decided to leave it on the yeah. beach. You would hope it would have escaped. kind of disturbing, to say the least. Yeah. It would be very disturbing if that was the reason. I, I would hope that maybe a pet snake escaped, you know, ended up on the beach, uh, that that mm. would have happened rather than... Uh, them dumping it there and you mentioned there the weather conditions and, and the various weather patterns we have had is it been a busy time for you there in Yall over the last few weeks? Um, well I, the last year or so uh, has been actually quite busy um, from various different activities that we perform through the Coast Guard um, recoveries um, monitoring it, it has been busy and like the, the bad weather when it is when we do get bad weather like we've had with high winds and big seas it's always a worry, like just to make sure people are safe and monitoring the coastline. Yeah, yeah, especially at the time and the weather we've had over the last year or so has been Absolutely. so changeable from snowstorms to high winds. Uh, Michael, good to talk to you. Uh, thank you for that. Hopefully, we'll get some confirmation on the type yeah, of snake that was. Some sort of follow up. Absolutely, indeed. And you're more than welcome again. And nice talking to you. And likewise, Michael, and keep every good work there you do at the Coast Guard unit in Yall. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you. Michael Lee there, who is the officer in charge at Yall Coast Guard. And interesting, the fact that uh, he, he was in, in Africa over the years. So I think at this stage he knew what to do and stay away from the snake uh, when he spotted it. But at first, initially trying to figure out, is that a snake or not? And then realising it is a snake uh, washed up near the boardwalk in Yall yesterday. Anything weird or wonderful that maybe yourself walking along a, a beach anywhere in Cork or anywhere in the world even that you have come across washed up? Let us know. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And from the beach to the roads and going back to... A lot of calls and comments into the show yesterday on fast drivers and on slow drivers. And first of all, regarding the roads in general, and us all using the roads, Breda in Middleton feels that we should not be expected to pay any tax on our roads until they are fixed. The condition of the road network is not good enough, so we need to concentrate on that and sort out the condition of our road network, says Breda in Middleton. While Tom and Fermoy travels up to the border on the motion way and this is something tying in with roads but also something we discussed yesterday to do with mobile phone usage and people who are driving on our roadways and looking down either at parked at a junction either parked up is okay but when you're stopped at a junction and you're at a red traffic light and you're ready to move on when the traffic light goes green you look around you 
and people are looking down instead of looking ahead uh, a lot of them aren't even moving when the light goes green because they're just fixated with whatever is on their phone so Tom and Fermoy uh, picking up on this and how mobile phone usage while driving is also leading to a lot of car accidents over the last number of years and, and Tom on his journey to the border via the motorway said he had not seen any uh, traffic core activity on the way up from Fermoy to the north so he said how can the Gardaí police mobile phone usage. I mean, how can they do this anyway? Because he came across a lot of people using their phones on the motorway, but how can Gardaí enforce the law and how can they catch people on their mobile phones? Well, I know over the years uh, they can with cameras, but that is proving that a person would have the phone up in front of their face or somewhere. I'm not too sure how they prove if someone is looking down that they actually are looking down onto their phone if they have their phone on their lap, which is seemingly from the calls we're getting, a lot of people are coming across. And on the issue of fast drivers and slow drivers on the roads and reacting to Joe's email yesterday, who was calling for slow drivers to receive penalty points as much as fast drivers do. Uh, she feels what she came across over Christmas, a driver going 30k or 40k on an actual roadway uh, which is a 100k speed limit is too slow and drivers behind were after about 15-20 minutes were getting frustrated and their behaviour changed and they took risks passing out this particular driver. Well Mary in Killarney was on to us to say that frustrated drivers should not be on our road networks. Uh, while Matt uh, in Liam Lara uh, says I feel uh, that Joe is right to an extent slow drivers can cause accidents but I do think we need to look at both sides of the scale here because fast drivers can be as bad those passing out on corners and on bumps on the road should have known better uh, they would also lead to causing an accident so there's two people in fault here yes the slow driver but also those passing out the slow driver uh, patience is a big thing JP we need more of that on our roads then people wouldn't be so worried about slow or indeed fast drivers says Jim while Monica uh, feels that we're all in a rush these days people are rushing everywhere to make time for this that and the other thing life in general uh, we need to slow down says Monica and a good text here from someone who says John Paul we hear complaints about slow drivers and fast drivers on our roads a lot of this though is because our roads are too narrow to cater for three different speeds so we must share the blame whether a fast car a slow car tractors, lorries, bikes or walkers we're all entitled to our say until we get better roads and that's a good point a lot of countries you will see will have various lanes for cyclists, walkers uh, they'll have, well obviously walkers will be in a footpath area but you know what I mean they'll have a different area set out whereby it's a, a proper network and you'll have two or three lanes of traffic then and I don't know where we ever come to that situation in this country we have so many roads uh, but you will see that on the continent where you will have a slow lane a middle lane and a fast lane and that is something we are lacking here probably on what, why we have the situation then of people getting frustrated is by a lot of our roads and if you were driving whether it's from Fermoy to Mallow uh, Killarney to Mallow uh, you know Bantry to on the Bantry line towards Cork City if you're going from Clonakilty to Bandon any of those roads you don't have 
two, three or four lanes. Uh, you, you just simply have your, your lanes to go wherever you're going. Uh, but there isn't a proper road network or infrastructure in place, even though if those roads can be, well, I can't say they're good roads, but they are roads. They're not very narrow roads, but they're not wide enough to cater for every single driver and to cater for the different speeds compared to other countries. So I can see where uh, that particular texture is coming from. And it's a good point and it's a good view because that is something that would need to be sorted out to solve the problem is have a proper road network. So thank you for your text on that. Some of your calls and texts regarding uh, the issue Joe raised on the show yesterday. And Michael in Castletown Bear, uh, who has come across the Road Traffic Act uh, for 2011 in Section 52, he says one of the items mentioned is that a person shall not drive a vehicle in a public place without due care and attention. And obviously if a person you know, does that, I presume that they are seen to be committing an offence. Michael, thank you for that particular WhatsApp uh, because you know due care and attention I'm not too sure could you accuse the slow driver of that or could you accuse in the person passing out the slow driver of that as well uh, you know that, that, that's open to interpretation of what way uh, the guardian is supposed to be the best people to realise who's in the wrong there due care and attention could be given to the driver who was passing out uh, the slow driver because they were passing out in a dangerous location on the road uh, but then would you say the slow driver also uh, isn't is open to that particular offence because would you take that they are driving a vehicle in a public place without due care and attention? I'm not too sure how, how that would be interpreted. Anyway, I'll let that to the, the people in the law who know more on that than any of us. 1850-333-103, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. I'll get back to your calls and comments on road safety and on that issue across the morning. On the way next, staying more or less with road safety, how are you with cyclists on the roadway? Uh, do you mind them? Do you think it's dangerous having cyclists on a roadway? Because the new law that was to be enforced that really stated that if you were passing on a cyclist, you had to stay 1.5 metres from the particular cyclist. That law now is abandoned. Discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now, Minister Shane Ross has come under fire for not going ahead with this proposed laws to protect cyclists. Now, Labour Rep Peter Horgan joins me on this issue. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, first of all, you're a cyclist yourself, aren't you? Um, yes, yeah, I, I would cycle. I would cycle quite regularly enough, um, either for leisure or for commuting. Um, yeah. How do you I, find I, that cycling, whether it's in in Cork City or County? How do you find the, the streets? How do you find the setup? And how do you find motorists in general here in Cork? The streets, the streetscape in Cork City is hit and miss. Um, in all honesty, um, there, there's patchwork um, repairs done in certain parts of cycle lanes that actually make it more dangerous for cyclists. Uh, if you drive out, if you cycle up Washington Street um, uh, in the city, it can be incredibly dangerous uh, coming coming down towards the the old Cineplex there, um, the, the Capitol Building. It's incredibly dangerous there. Out along Balling College, uh, you know the road there can be can be it's not cleaned. The cycle lane has been cleaned. You know it's not uh, moved of debris. So your a lot of cyclists would um, be forced out uh, onto the main road, which makes it more dangerous for drivers and for cyclists. In Mallow, uh, where, where 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 I work, um, the, the the town itself isn't really set up for cycling at all. Um, the, the streets are 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 way too uh, pocket marked with potholes. Uh, and but motorists in Cork generally are okay. Um, in the Douglas area, there there are some there are some cycle lanes, but as you go further out towards Rochestown, Monkstown, 
the roads get a lot narrower and the cars get a lot bigger and they can there can be motorists who are frustrated. The problem is in a situation like this, in, in, in a story like this, is that it pits uh, online especially um, non-cyclists versus cyclists. And that's what, not what this is about, is about at all. I mean, minimum distance passing legislation is about making the road safe for cyclists and motorists. Uh, and that's what we really need to do. It's about saving lives and, and about uh, stopping accidents, really. Yeah, and just on, on the cycle lanes there you mentioned and that drivers overall aren't as bad, you feel. Is it the thing that some of the cycle lanes, I know when I'm driving myself, sometimes if you were coming out of a junction or switching lanes, there's a cycle lane in the middle, which makes no sense half the time, uh, but the driver has to cross the cycle lane. I don't know how these were set up, but surely that is dangerous if that is the case. And then you have the other situation. You mentioned if you were a cyclist in Mallow, you're on the main street, you've no choice but to cycle in front of a car uh, because you've cars parked on either side of the road and it's not safe to cycle on the footpath so uh, do we need to look more first of all before we talk about the change or the law that isn't coming in do we need to concentrate more on how we design our cycle laneways across the country 100% I mean we need to adopt European standards uh, when we're uh, designing our cycle lanes and that means segregated cycle cycle paths I mean if you've seen if you've ever been abroad um, somewhere like Amsterdam or Denmark I mean these are the gold standard in, in cycleways um, there, there's there's a small bit of segregated lanes in Cork City over by Anglesey Street, but for the most part they're they're un, unsegregated and they cause serious um, they can cause serious accidents if people weren't paying due attention. Both cyclists and motors. I mean, there there infrastructure isn't the golden bullet on this, but it's it's it, it's a big part of it, and we need to have a proper investment in in cycleways. Uh, in Cork City and County, that that makes sense, as you say. I mean, having cycleways in the middle of a junction with no, with, when drivers don't have any idea what's going to happen, just isn't on anymore. My fear is that in the past we may have just been clonking down cycle lanes in the hope of ticking a box, but now we have uh, a lot of lobby groups and a lot of uh, interest groups like Cork Cycling Network, uh, Cork Cycling Campaign Network in Cork, for instance, Cyclist.ie, who are there, who have. Uh, transport experts on their committees who are willing to get engaged with local authorities. They're sitting on uh, transport subcommittees in the local authorities. And I think we are getting better slowly but surely, but we need to have a big ramp up of of really good investment in cycling infrastructure. And that also means even the, the kind of tarmac that's used. I mean, everyone knows the... the um, the red kind of tarmac that's used for cycleways. You know, there, there's different versions of that and there's an old saying like, buy cheap, buy twice. And unfortunately, that's what happened in the past is that councils bought cheap and, and the, tar- the tarmac cracked and that causes even more danger. I mean, in Black Rock, in my own Black Rock, where I'm from, uh, over by uh, the credit union, there is, in the middle of a cycleway, it's, it's quite an infamous one, um, uh, in the middle of the cycleway, there is a giant ESP pole, like right smack bang in the middle of the cycleway, which forces a cyclist to move into the pedestrian part of of the footpath because it's a shared footpath cycle path, uh, but it is you know segregated by a line. It forces you into the pedestrian footpath, which then can cause problems for people who aren't cyclists. In. And I understand like a lot of people will contact me every time a cycling issue comes up, and I'm talking about it. Some people will contact me and say, "Look, cyclists are on the footpath; they're breaking red lights," and that's not on either. I mean, there's there's a there, there's an onus on everyone to obey the rules of the road and the rules of um, of safety, whether you're a cyclist or not. But, you know, having proper investment in cycleways is is the first step 
in, in ensuring that we have safe places for people to cycle in Cork City and County. And because we don't have the proper investments in yet, that is why this law was due to come in, whereby vehicles that are overtaking a cyclist, whether it's on a rural road or on a street, they were going to bring in a 1.5 metres of space between a car and a bike. The big thing here was, Peter, how could this be enforced? How could Gardaí police this? Because you have a case that would go to court eventually and you could have the legal team arguing that well that car was only 1.2 or 1.3 metres I mean how could they physically enforce some law like this that was going to be saying a 1.5 metre space had to be given between a car and a bike well you'd enforce it in the same way that it's enforced in other jurisdictions I mean this the minimum passing distance law is in place in about 28 states in the United States it's also in operation in Canada and different states there, in Australia and being considered for further jurisdictions there, and across Europe in Belgium, France, Spain and Portugal. I mean, like any road traffic enforcement issue, the first one is a guard eyewitness account, and that's usually done by road markings. Um, there's also, um, you know, how, how, how big road markings can be if the proper training for the guardee on such a, a, a distance requirement, then that can be addressed like that. And, and, and we've seen cases go to court, go to court of, um, of Gardaí, you know, giving evidence of, of maybe dangerous overtaking or something like that happening, and or, or speeding issues. And, and that's where, how that's enforced and how it's brought to court here. And also CCTV. I mean, we have a lot of CCTV around um, around the place now. In a lot of accidents, there's a lot of dashboard, uh, dash cam footage used. Uh, some insurance companies are actually encouraging uh, people with dash cameras to to get them installed, perhaps lo- lower their insurance premiums, uh, and that's also a, a, another fail-safe way uh, of ensuring that that you know it can be enforced. But the problem is, you even talking about enforcement like that, that this is the problem. Back in February, Minister Ross came out and said that he was gung ho for this; that he was it was going to happen. Um, and then on the fourteenth of August, we got newspaper reports that the Attorney General had had an issue. We've never seen the issues the Attorney General has. We never he's never published the legal advice, and only two days ago, then we find out the policy is abandoned. Um, I mean, the business of government is to do hard and difficult things. If this was an easy thing to implement, it would have been done already. Uh, and I think Minister Ross is just it's just a cop out by him. Uh, in his transport brief, uh, a brief that I feel he's not really giving a lot of attention to outside of Dublin. Uh, uh, my colleague Sean Sherlock has put in a numerous amount of parliamentary questions um, asking how many times he's met with Cork City and County Councils in relation to, to, to road networks, to transport safety, and it's, it's minimal at best how many times he's meeting with councils outside of, outside of the Dublin area. Um, Could it be the fact the Attorney General have a situation whereby the points I made there that it could end up in a legal argument uh, that if you are in a dangerous situation that shows up on CCTV you have a car near a bike well that's obvious but then if you have a situation whereby a cyclist does decide to take a reg bring someone to court and then you have a situation whereby the driver is saying well I passed out and there was a good distance I felt between the bike and the car and it goes into a big legal argument I mean how does how do you get over that is that something maybe that, that might have been addressed by the Attorney General because it seems that Shane Ross is all for public transport and people to use cycle lanes and people to use buses and we've seen that by the various laws that he's introduced that has affected rural areas over the last especially the last three to four months. No, completely. And like there are legal issues to be discussed here but we haven't seen them and the Minister hasn't allowed the Dáil and the Shannon to actually proceed with examining those very different issues those, those minute 
legal issues that you've just mentioned there. I mean, that is the, the role of, of our doll. I mean, and what Minister Ross has done now has decided that, no, we're not going to have that debate. We're not going to tease out this legislation, that he's just going to proceed with a, with a general uh, dangerous overtaking um, uh, enforcement, which currently is, as I understand it, is, is on the is on the statute books, but um, has never the CSO data has never shown uh, a dangerous overtaking uh, complaint uh, of a pedal cyclist um, to be recorded. So there's problems there as well in terms of recording that in, in terms of the current law that he's proposing now. But it's the job of the doll, it's the job of the government to, to tease out these issues and to and to find a solution to it. Yes, there probably are legal arguments, but like let's leave that. Let's leave those arguments to the legislators whose job it is to try and overcome those legal arguments or, or find ways that we can, you know, have, have a set standard of rules. And have a debate in the doyle about that where you would like to see exactly. discussed openly. What about the law? Would it apply to, or would it have applied to cyclists that are two, three or four abreast? I mean, how would that work? Uh, as I understand it, like cycling two abreast is a, is a standard cycling um mechanism to use on roads you know and i understand that some people might be might be concerned that when they're driving on roads they see two or three abreast and it's in a large group and they can't overtake for a certain time for a certain time cycling two abreast is a standard safety um formation for want of a better word in, in international cycling um how i would how it would have been, how the minimum distance would have uh worked with a two or three abreast on a road, are you 1.5 from the one nearest to you or the one farther across? I don't know. And we don't have, we haven't had that. And that's the honest answer. We just simply don't know because the minister has pulled the plug in it. I mean, just before Christmas, there was a massive major debate um, on a motion by Fianna Fáil on cycling infrastructure and cycling safety. And, um, you know, the minister paid lip, lip service to it. And that vote, that's going to be the first vote of uh, the new term next, uh, when the doll returns on the 15th of, um, of January. There will be a vote on that on that cycling motion because it was on the last day of the doll before Christmas and I imagine that the government is going to vote against the Fianna Fáil motion which every other party uh, will be supporting and every other party spoke in favour of cycling safety and cycling measures and cycling allocation um, we, we just it just this is the latest movement from Shane Ross in the in the area of alternative transport where it just it just leaves every, everyone feeling a bit deflated by his attitude in it. Um, he needs to get stuck into it. Uh, he needs to kind of he needs to really set allocations properly. I mean, you talk about the um, you talk about getting people cycling again and, and getting people out of the cars, which is what we need to do in areas like Mallow for Moy in the city. Do you know the cycle share scheme is very good, but it needs to be expanded to the suburbs. We need to have a public bike scheme in Mallow and for Moy and in the county towns. You know, you know, we need to you know. Uh, the majority of, tra- of transport journeys by people are under 30 minutes. And, and a lot of the time, they're between 10 and 15 kilometres, according to the, the CSO data. I mean, if we can get more and more people on their bikes, like they do in Europe, like they do in London. I mean, London has a bicycle mayor. We, we, we're not even thinking anywhere near what, the, what cities like London and Manchester are doing here in Cork. Um, we need to think outside the box and think of new ways of, of funding people to get out of their cars on a day-to-day basis and it's a hard thing to do it's very easy to say it on a dry day like today it's cold but it's dry like fast forward next week when it's lashing rain or if the snow comes again from the beach from the east it's going to be a lot more difficult to to, to say to people geez you should be cycling but the, sh- the statistics show that the most popular the most popular day the most popular month for the bike share scheme in Cork in 2017 was, or in 2018 was in October when the when the Ophelia arrived 
on our on our doors and there was wind and rain and hurricanes that was the most popular month where there was the most journeys 27,000 journeys taken on the Cork bike scheme and, and like it shows that there is a, a, a mindset changing in the, in the Cork public and in the Irish public uh, away from the car away from the single occupancy journeys that are being taken day to day Okay, just a few texts then before we head to news at 11. First of all, uh, about people and cyclists who were dri- driving two, three or four abreast against you driving the other way. They need to cop on. And another person is saying that it's not legal on a single carriage road. The offence is if it's three abreast. So I presume he means on that particular text, if, if two abreast is okay and if you're over two abreast, if there's three cyclists against each other on the road, that that is illegal. And another texter saying there's a new issue here with information held on dash cams and that's something that's going to be brought forward. And I presume that ties in as well with the CCTV laws all to do with the uh, data protection uh, which was brought in towards the end of last year. Mary says Shane Ross's days are numbered from now on and Audrey feels that all cyclists should wear visibility vests at all times and should go Go by the rules of the road and not cycle side by side on cycle lanes, uh, feels Audrey. And very finally, a lot of people asking, uh, as you are a cyclist as well, cyclists should be given penalty points. They also use the road. Do you think there should be some penalty point system for cyclists? Cyclists can be fined currently under the... Um, but, but given penalty points outside of, outside of fines, should there be a penalty point system there? I suppose, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something that can be explored. It's something that can be discussed. I mean, if there's penalty points for motorists, perhaps there should be penalty points for bad cyclists. I mean, I've always been of the of the opinion that there are bad cyclists out there, just as just as there are bad drivers. But bad drivers are far more likely to to injure someone uh, seriously than bad than bad cyclists. Okay, well, we'll leave it there, Peter. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll see what comes out over the next while with that particular issue. Uh, but for the moment, it looks like it isn't going ahead anyhow and abandoned by Shane Ross on uh, the cyclist safely and that distance. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Peter Horgan there, Labour Rep. Uh, your views on that? Uh, do you think uh, that he's right to abandon the actual plan and leave the law the way it is? Or should there be a distance between cyclists? And if so, how would that be enforced? 1850 You can call Bernie text or whatsapp 86 more of your calls and comments on the way after 11 on various issues a lot to do with roads on road safety on people driving fast and slow and indeed on cyclists plus we'll discuss uh, the Ballyhaces no group who are going to continue their march their first one this Sunday of 2019 uh, highlighting the bank debt we still continue to pay in this country good morning to you it's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger right through until one and Bernie takes your calls and comments 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 you can tweet at C103Cork or email jp at c103.ie Just before news at 11 there we were discussing the issue of what was a proposal and a law to be brought in by the Minister for Transport Shane Ross and this was where cyclists and if a car was overtaken a cyclist they would have to stay 1.5 metres at the distance that is outside the cyclist when overtaking. Now that has been abandoned and a lot of people were asking how could that be enforced anyhow in the first place. It could be easy to dispute it that a driver was nearer or over the 1.5. Uh, a lot of people had issues with the particular law. It has been abandoned. The Attorney General did pick up on this in all 
August and mixed views on this particular issue to do with cyclists and indeed this particular law we discussed. First of all, uh, on text on this uh, person saying dash cams cannot, we were speaking about dash cams uh, as well and how dash cams evidence now is being questioned because of new laws coming into question on data protection. And a texter here saying, the dash cams cannot be used as definitive evidence. It's used as location. In some shops, the CCTV can actually verify 1.5 metres and it's almost over half a width of a link road lanes. 1.5 metre is a normal truck overtaking space given. Curtain side truck drivers allow more normally as they could suck in bikes when passing. Cycling two abreast on country roads infuriates drivers and should be banned. Why dikes? on roads could be surface for pedestrians and cyclists not for growing bushes says that particular texter while Heidi is saying good morning JP the transport minister is so out of touch with roads especially in rural areas they are so narrow it's just unrealistic to ride to abreast also a cyclist did mow down and kill a lady in London last year so cyclists do cause accidents says Heidi on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and various people have been on with various issues they have come across on the roads. Uh, one person is saying, I was cycling one day on a road uh, coming up from Mid Cork and there was three bikes cycling abreast on the road towards me. Eventually, as I got closer, but at this stage, I had to slow down. Uh, the bikes decided to go single lane. This was a country road. There was barely room for two cars to pass, not to mind three bikes cycling towards me across the roadway, uh, says Jess on text. And also, in regard to the discussion about the proposed 1.5 metre rule on cyclists, this texter says, this is a stupid proposal and the person you had on supporting does not know what he is talking about. He stated Belgium and Holland. It is the law in those countries and that may be the case but these countries have proper dedicated cycle lanes and proper roads how on earth on most of our roads are that are often only wide enough for two cars to pass can you expect this stupid law to be enforced if it is enforced then perhaps it should also be that cyclists are the only ones allowed to use a road over a certain width and are banned off all other roads uh, says a particular texter and good point there uh, when you look at the roads on the continent Belgium and Holland they are a lot different than the roads we use here in this country a lot of the roads if you look at the south of Lincoln Cork that's the only road I can think of here isn't it bad that in the Cork area I can't find a decent road uh, if you look at Limerick even the big roads they have around Limerick City I'm just going to use the South Link because the North Wing is, isn't a great example that's not fit for purpose uh, but the South Link anyhow is the only one I can think of that you had three or four laneways but in most countries they are the norm that would be a normal road from A to B now some would say yeah it is because most people travel from major urban areas to urban areas and we have too many rural locations in this country but still surely we could have a better road network than what we have uh, thank you for your text on those issues to do with cyclists more coming in here Willie in Middleton good morning to you Willie he says why don't cyclists obey traffic lights every day I see them break the law it's just shocking to watch says Willie in Middleton 
a while. Another person agreeing with our earlier texter there on enforcement. Uh, this is Marie who says, I agree with your texter. Perhaps it should also be a law that if cyclists are only allowed to use a road over a certain width, then they are banned off all other roads. Not fair on us drivers the whole time. After all, we're the ones paying motor tax. The cyclists aren't paying any tax to be on the roads, says Marie on 86 and there's just some of your texts coming in regarding cycling and that particular issue we'll get back to those across the course of the programme and another issue still to do with driving and on our road network was from Joe yesterday who feels that when her experience over the Christmas driving behind a slow driver she feels a penalty point should be given to slow drivers and people had good arguments on why frustrated drivers should not be in the road people need to be more patient on the road if you are frustrated why then are people changing their behaviour and overtaking a slow driver at dangerous locations so we heard those comments earlier in the show and indeed on the show yesterday afternoon as well but uh, more texts in on this uh, just go through these uh, two texts and you can make you can have your own comments on this uh, people have mixed views on, on, on these texts first of all uh, no, tech, no name on this but a person saying well I was driving on a two hour journey last week and I was going or this person I presume you, first of all you were in a 40k on a 100k zone so I presume the person in front of you was driving 40k on a 100k zone the way I look at it probably this person this texter says was an elderly person was driving so maybe family members uh, could look into this situation and could have a chat with their elderly relatives or parents who are driving and maybe they're not the safest on the road and maybe they are driving too slow on the roads. That person driving a two-hour journey last week and the person in front was going 40k on a 100k zone and Padjo then on text says Hi JP, in my opinion this is Padjo's opinion he believes people should be chucked off the road after the age of 65. They drive too slow and can lead to frustration and make competent people take unnecessary risks, says Padjo. Uh, do you agree with Padjo on that? Uh, is he being ageist? And can you just hit a certain age and uh, tell people you can't drive anymore? I mean, how would that work in areas where there is no public transport? And you could say the same for, is it an age thing whereby young drivers can be targeted to be driving too fast? But then not all young drivers drive fast. There's some very safe young drivers out there. So is it wrong to say that as well uh, at the other side of the age bracket? Your view on that is welcome. Um, Padjo feels that people uh, should be chucked off the road after the age of 65 what's your view on that uh, let us know 1850-333-103 text of whatsapp 0862-103-103 while John and Carrick line uh, on a totally different subject altogether uh, and this and there was protests uh, in parts I think it was Dublin over Christmas regarding the issue of Ireland taking in refugees into this country. John and Carrigaline says, Did you hear of this great government? We have let 200 refugees into this country before Christmas. Aren't we a great little country? Nothing against refugees, but this is a joke. This country is in a crisis. This just gives the two fingers to homeless people of Ireland, Field John. In Carrigaline on text to 0862 103 103 about the amount of uh, migrants refugees 
uh, and I'm, in general, I suppose people coming into this country, John feels it's wrong, it's unfair, um, especially what has happened over Christmas and is pointing to people, I presume, are obviously are homeless on the streets, but also people who were unable to purchase a home and who were couch surfing. And we heard so much of that before. Uh, and, and again, the last year on the show. Anyhow, John's view there from Carrigan Line. You can call Bernie with your views. 1850-333-103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Jobs And on today's job spot we have opportunities including Cronin Electrical in Bandon they require third and fourth year apprentices plus a fully qualified electrician with experience in gate automation and CCTV you can email your CVs to accounts at crononelectrical.com a fully qualified mechanic with electronic experience is required for the Mid Cork area must be able to work on your own initiative email your CV to philipcrossmotors at gmail.com and Agritex near Butterfinch require an administrative assistance. Now it's part-time flexible position. You must be well used to dealing with the Word and Excel. Send your CV to agritext at gmail.com. Then you'll find these details and more job opportunities online right now. Just go along to c103.ie forward slash jobs. A lot of comments coming in regarding cyclists and also Padjo's suggestion. Padjo on text a while ago felt that when we were discussing drivers on our road and slow drivers and driver behaviour, Padjo felt that drivers, once they hit the age of 65, uh, that they should be chucked off the road. That was Padjo's view on text a while ago. A lot of text and reaction uh, to that conversation. We'll come back to those shortly on the programme. But uh, just moving to another topic, and even though it is a new year and people are saying that things are going Going well in this country, we are still paying back millions that we borrowed a number of years ago. I heard this morning on news, and it was yesterday as well, exchequer figures coming in, and they're showing that you know that they, they've had a bounce and a higher amount of money coming into them, uh, mainly from uh, big multinational companies like Apple, like Google. Uh, but still, with all that money coming in, we are still paying off a lot of debt, and we have a big national debt and bank debt, and because of that. Uh, the likes of Bally Hayes' No Group, the campaign there, it continues and they will march again for the first March of 2019 this coming Sunday from 10.30am sharp and a man who's been behind the group uh, from day one and we've spoken to him before, Dermot O'Flynn joins me. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, John Paul. Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns. Uh, the march goes on there for you guys in Ballyhay. And I mentioned there about the exchequer receipts and what Leo Varadkar was saying yesterday and a lot of money coming in from the multinationals. I also read over the last year that Ireland has paid out $16.5 million a day in interest costs to service mm-hmm. our national debt. And that, came, um, that news came from the National Treasury Management Agency. And that even doesn't go into what we're paying out then on the rest of uh, the bank debt what people themselves are being forced to pay uh, people being landed with vulture funds from the banks while we still bail them out and this is one of the reasons why you were and you continue to march to keep this in the news and to make people not to forget that we are still paying all the money back Oh yeah and uh, like uh, I like I like what's happening with Ireland John Paul to what happens in the fairly typical Irish house nowadays like how you have you know, uh, two parents working and decent jobs, you know, and they've come to the end of 2018 and breathe a sigh of relief, you know, because they've managed to pay all the bills and maybe they have 100 euro left over in the bank. But uh, but they know, you know, that uh, like they got there by the skin of their teeth. If anything goes badly wrong, 
difficult because they probably have big mortgages to pay and big <coughs> interest being paid on those mortgages. And God forbid anything goes wrong because that's the way that, that society has gone generally nowadays. That's the way Ireland is. Like we've reached the end of 2018 as our heads barely above water. But as you said, we do have that massive national debt. And God forbid that anything goes wrong there, yeah, like that the interest rates are raised or that we do have, I mean, Brexit, God knows us what that's going to cost us, you know. And But the big difference, I think, between the, that family home and this, and this government is that in that home, those parents know how close they are. Like, uh, if, if anything does go wrong, how close they are to not being in that position to pay all those debts. But we have a government here who seem oblivious to where we are. I mean, we have a head minister who's boasting about you know, an expensive new service that's in on the on the um, on the national health service now, but even while the, the existing one is 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 falling apart, it's falling to pieces. We have a housing crisis. A housing minister who's turned so many corners at this stage that he must be chasing himself up. He's overtaken himself, and we still have a massive situation there. And we have a teacher who just seems oblivious to what all his policies are doing, and will not challenge the uh, the EU and the ECB. What's happening? The, the main reason that we're 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 still mapping, um, John Paul is like I don't know if people are aware of this because they're certainly have been told us on any of our national media or national broadcasts or any of our national newspapers. But um, like last year, Ireland, this country, the National Treasury Management Agency that you mentioned there, they borrowed 3.5 billion euro, gave it to our central bank who destroyed it. And the previous year, of this year, sorry, that was in 2018 and 2017, it was four billion that it is, and they've done. 14.5 billion in the last five years. And people are just not aware of this. And like this, the, the whole bank debt business is, is being stripped under the capital as if it's, it's historic. All, done the, all that money has been paid out. It is not. There's still 14 billion euros that's, um, that, that we are going to destroy over the next four or five years. And, and just explain when you say destroy, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's like <clears throat> when, 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 when the Commission notes were issued, there was 31 billion euro, which said that the central bank under the auspices of the ECB, created and gave to Anglo-Irish Bank and to INBS to keep their doors open, to keep them from falling, from, from collapsing. And the ECB feared that if they collapsed, they'd bring down the whole European banking system. Now, those two banks were insolvent at the time, but that 31 billion euro was created so that they could keep paying out their creditors that, that those billions. But they could pro for that, but when those two banks went bust, as they did, uh, Michael Noon among them up finally in 2013, the ECB then, then turned around and said to the Irish Central Bank, well, you created that top one billion euro for those banks. Those banks are now gone bust. You, you know, the Irish people, you must now take this top one billion euro back out of circulation. The top one billion euro that was created and given to those two banks, you must now take back out of circulation. And the way we're doing that, John Paul, is that our National Treasury Management Agency is borrowing money from the markets, giving it to the Central Bank, and the Central Bank is destroying the money. And people have to understand that it is the biggest, it is absolutely the biggest, I, I don't know. I mean, there people complain about um, various things here, like the water charges and the you know hospital charges and different things that are coming in here. This is the biggest charge on the Irish people that has existed for the last 10 years. This bank debt that is, and, and these promissory notes, three and a half billion euro destroyed last year. And, and like, people understood that that was real money that had been borrowed by the National Treasury Management Agency that they held. It was like it was like you had that in the savings account here. Uh, nationally, we had this in the savings account. National Treasury Management Agency borrowed it. They gave it to the central bank and they destroyed it. Imagine what the use that that could have been put to. Just imagine, like, 
14 billion euro over the last five years. What, what we could have done with that money in this country, and another 14 and a half billion or 15 billion to go. You know, and, like, and there isn't one word being said about this. Not and it could have been word. invested in health, housing so much, any, and it any. makes no sense on why no. they are destroying it. I know they're saying taking out of no. circulation, but surely, can they not come up with some other type of mechanism? I'm sure those in Europe no. are looking at this saying it has to be wrong in some sense. I, I, you can understand why we maybe needed some type of bailout and why these decisions are made, but well, someone somewhere must see this is wrong. But, but just to interrupt you there, like, uh, I'm sorry for doing this, but that's the point, and that is the major point here. We didn't need to do this, and this is the major problem that people have to, have to understand. These were two insolvent banks. They were not systemic banks. Like Angua, you know, Allard Irish and Bank of Ireland, you can make an argument for saving those, and I do make an argument for saving those. But those two banks were not systemic banks. We should and could have left those go under, and it would not have cost us that 41 billion euro. It was the ECB that said, we don't want any bank in Europe to go under. So we want to see this bank say it. And they themselves broke and bent their own rules to allow the 31 billion euro be created because under their own rules, insolvent banks were not supposed to have access to that money. So we're a saving face for, for the ECB, basically. We, and this is, this is what's understood. And, like, and again, in the belly here, says, no, we, we understand like what, what the ECB were doing. It was an emergency situation. There were things happening that had never happened before and they were taking emergency measures. But we're saying that now that this has happened, in this respect, like the ECB and the Commission. So we look at it and saying, okay, we took these emergency measures, you created the top of billion euro, we saved the banking system, and I'm saying we collected the ECB and you saved the European banking system, but now Ireland needs to get this money back. We need a break in this thing. And our government has never, ever challenged the ECB on that. And like we, we actually made a presentation to the, um, to the Finance Committee and, um, about uh, six months ago and they agreed, they, the, all the major parties, with the exception of Fine Gael, agreed you know, that we put some kind of a cross-party body together to go to the ECB to take, to take them on, on this business. And that now is what we'll be focusing on in 2019 to try and, and get that, that group together. Because we in Valley here, I mean, we know, we've known this for a while, that like, there's only so much we can do. But, you know, this has to be done at a national level, and that will be the focus in 2019 to try and get you know, of the political parties and trying to get the people that we are elected to represent us to go to the ECB and take this fight to them on our behalf. And you recently, when you're mentioning going to a fight in, in Dublin meeting TDs and senators, you were recently as well in Europe and some MEPs over there did agree with you. And I think at some stage, some actually came and protested with you in Ballyhay. So it is seen in Europe that what was done by the ECB and what was made to do by Ireland was wrong to some extent. that They are admitting that in some sectors of the European mm-hmm. Union. Well, it's, it's generally accepted as well, John. I mean, like I have, over the years I've been collecting articles, I have several hundred at this stage, and like even by the, the leading economists in the world globally at this stage, like, like it's accepted that Ireland has been really, really badly treated by Europe and that like we were disproportionately hit. But we have never been given a break back. We've never been given a sent back. And any of the MEPs that we've spoken, and, we, and like the Barry Higgs says, no group presented in the European Parliament, and those who did come along to hear us and the people we've spoken to on, all accept that there is, even within the Commission itself, John Paul, we've been, in the, we've been through the Commission, we've been to the Council, and even there, there is an acceptance like that Ireland is due something back. Nobody is fighting for this for us. Nobody, except ourselves. Do you think we'll ever, actually ever get anything back? I, well, you know, sometimes, like people ask us sometimes, like, do we ever despair? And I, I have to say sometimes, 
know, the spirit is knocking at the window looking in, like saying, look, what else can we do to you? You know, let us in. But And sometimes you, like, the temptation is there just to despair and give it up and say, no, no. But like, not yet. Well, you are I mean, one of the only groups that has continued when you're on about being despairing and giving it up. I mean, there are so many other groups across the country who did have a say no marches and mm-hmm. over the last number of years, and not their fault, maybe they have their own commitments as well, but they have dwindled and disappeared over the last while. You're the only ones that, that, that are still going on there. And on that, James and Brewery has been in touch. James feels that uh, on Taoiseach that Leif Riker is not talking about our financial crisis. We are €200 Euros billion in debt. A lot of that is due to the banking crisis and they keep mm-hmm. borrowing more money. He feels the USC is servicing the debt and if interest rates go up in Europe we will be in worse trouble. And now we are asking for an, an emergency funding if the UK crash out of Europe. They are only looking to the next election, James feels, and that they will retire our TDs and, and politicians and and, and Lee and all of them that they will all retire on big pensions I mean has he a point there do we need to change the way we think about politics have we a lot of them in there in Linster House who are doing good others then are in there doing their best but no whatever happens they will get a big pension they will be looked after or paid out yeah like the political system in, in, in this country is I, I mean I, I don't know if you could call it corrupt but it's certainly totally and utterly ineffective I mean, basically what you have are, you know, half a dozen, um, maybe a few more than that people setting the agenda for everybody else because you have the, you have the party whips in this country here and you've just backbenchers who are just, all they are nodding heads. You know, whatever they, they made, like whatever the, the, the big people in the party have decided, the influential people in the party have decided. And remember as well, and I see this in Europe, I mean, God almighty, you see it in Europe. It's not just the influential that you have a few people in all the major groups in, in Europe that, uh, that influence everybody else, but they themselves are influenced by the lobbyists and by the by the by the major, you know, corporatists and the and the you know the big farm and everything else outside. And you have the same thing in this country. You have the people, you know, the influencers in politics are being influenced themselves by the major by the by vested interests outside. And that's why you have the situation now, not just in Ireland, but and, and not just in Europe, but globally, where the few everything now is being done for the few. Because the few have, they know how to influence people, they know where to influence people, and our politicians are completely and utterly letting the people down. Their only interest is in themselves, and it's an absolute truism for most politicians that their first job after being elected is to get re-elected. And that's where their interests lie. I mean, I see it in Europe. Like, look at the voting records of, of which they definitely MEPs in Europe. And look at their loyalty to group and put about that loyalty to party. I mean, you could just, you could, you could, you could send a robot out there to do what they're doing. Literally, I mean, you're talking 99%. You know, you're, you're talking about people who are not looking at individual issues, but just going, doing what they're told. Just doing what they're told. We need to start looking at that kind of people that we're electing in politics. We need to start electing people who are looking at every issue by itself, in itself and saying, what's the best thing for the people that I represent on this particular issue? That's not happening. 
Okay, on the banks there, you mentioned Anglo Irish, one of them, a uh, few people in on this. Miriam saying, I agree uh, with Dermot. Yes, we did need to look after Bank of Ireland and AIB, but not for the other one, especially Anglo. But the big thing uh, that a lot of people are texting in with, and I'll just sum it up here with Emer, who has a mortgage in the last two years and is quite happy to have got a mortgage, but so many of our friends are trying to get a mortgage at the moment. They can get one, obviously, Central Bank rules are there for a particular purpose, and they're maybe not giving as much money as they would like uh, but her point is so many banks are making people jump through hoops making it difficult for them, for them to get a mortgage while we the Irish continue to pay uh, um, even though we don't see it ourselves we are paying that particular debt each and every week and our taxes bailing out these banks which then are making it hard for people to get mortgages Another point here by Kevin, who says, how come when prices in housing weren't that high, when people went to get a mortgage, I wanted them, I was refused. The minute house prices start to increase, I go back and I get a mortgage. No problem. Yes, I had to go through various rigmaroles, but I still got a mortgage. And now listening to Dermot, I realise that I am paying these banks who refused me initially to get a mortgage when I could have afforded a house in an area that would have suited me without now buying a house where I am commuting up to 45 minutes a day for work I mean that is really infuriating people when they know we're paying back Dermot as you highlighted each one of us via our taxes uh, bailing out the bank still you could really say and then you have three examples there of people who were trying to get in the proper ladder at the age where they want to buy a house settle down and they found it very hard and some can't even get on the property ladder Yeah I mean like you, you're, we're in a country now um, Paul where you're like the entire system is working against ordinary people. I mean, we have, and, and this is happening again, it's just happening in Ireland, it's happening globally, where the, the gap between those who have and those who have not is widening. And this is because everything has, is being set up and legislation is being created. We've seen it in this country with the vulture funds, where, you know, we take, like, your, your NAMA, like, uh, yesterday, the clear on all the papers, you know, 3.5 billion that they profit that they made last year, and not a word about the tens of billions that they have cost this country with the property that they sold that knocked down prices, give away prices to vulture funds who came in here and immediately those property values have escalated, I mean, have gone up by multiples of two and three. And now we have a situation where our, our rental market is, is being dictated by vulture funds. And we have situations where Irish people can't afford the rents here because oh, we've handed over the property, we've invited in the vultures in this country. And as, as we have a banking system, and like, we didn't just bail out the banks with the money that we gave them, John Paul. We, we bailed out the banks again since then with the interest rates we charging far above the European average. And in a monopoly type situation, like um, Draghi himself was, was before the Finance Committee uh, a few months ago, and he said it, that the Irish banking system is a cartel, and yet they're not being challenged. You know, we bring that, and we have them. We brought that question up, Luke, I mean, standing outside, and Europe has brought that up with the Commission that they are a cartel, and we will knock back on it. And you had Draghi himself saying, they are a cartel. We're paying them out a second time with the excess charges on everything, interest charges that we're paying, um, account, like the actual banking charges, and they're in that situation, that monopoly situation, where they can, you know, they have us over a barrel, and there's nobody else coming in from outside, because it's not, a, it's not actually a Europe-wide banking system. And, you know, everything, and, and what people need to do, change staffs, John Paul, with the people themselves. They, they look at their politicians and that is the politicians that they put there. They're not going to do anything. So they have to change the 
people that are putting in there. And the fact that this change will start with voters. And people have to start voting. People that are not voting as well are costing this country dearly. Yeah, and it's wrong to think when we mention mortgages there, you have families who are who did try and pay their mortgage. Unfortunately, through mm-hmm. one through or another, didn't get to uh, keep up with payments. And they are be, and they didn't realise at the time that their mortgage was sold to a vulture fund and then they were evicted or tried to be evicted yeah. from their home by a vulture fund. And these very people have been paying that particular bank a different type of way, bailing it out, but then they're yeah. still kicked out of their home. Uh, dear Monsieur, marching again, as I mentioned, this particular Sunday at 10.30am in Ballyhay. I presume you're asking as many people people as possible to show your support and keep this issue on a high so you can keep writing home and bringing home the issue uh, to the politicians, to the Europeans, to those in MEPs and indeed uh, to all types of media so that it doesn't go away and people realise that we are, all of us in this country, still paying for the mistakes of the banks a number of years ago. Yeah, and listen, John Paul, thank you very much as well for this opportunity because you're one of the few people that are kind of keep, helping us to keep it to the forefront. Well, I think it's very important to do that. I think it's something that we, we are all paying for. A lot of our various generations, regardless of what age you are, you have been affected by this and it does go missing. And everybody's busy, everybody's doing their own thing and news stories come and go. Uh, but I think it's no harm to keep it in front now and again because, you know, we we have people in a situation now that cannot get their own home, that cannot settle down, that cannot start families and yet they are the ones every day out working, paying their taxes and in that tax they are paying back the bank and the guys who caused the mess that we all found ourselves in. Some people will say we've lost a generation uh, because of, of the carry-on over the last 10 years. People just simply cast our families now and we'll lose a generation then in 20, 30 years' time as well. All because what has happened. Anyhow, uh, we could talk all day about that, dear Mr. Best of luck on uh, Sunday with your march there in Ballyhay and I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up again over the year. Uh, that is Dear Mr. Flynn there from the Ballyhay says no group. Your views welcome on that. 1850 333 103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. A lot of views coming in though on roads and people's driving behaviours on roads and indeed cyclists. I'll get to those shortly. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 I will get to your comments on roads and what age people should be driving on a road and indeed on driving conditions and behaviour. But I want to go back to something we discussed on the show yesterday and this is to do with the opt-out system we spoke about when it comes to organ donation. Joe has contacted the programme on our comment line. Joe's in Bantry and he received a kidney transplant in the 90s and got a second one uh, three years years ago. Hello to you, Joe, and good morning. Hello, John Paul. How are you? Happy and, to be and many happy returns, Joe. The one point you want to make here in this, first of all, is, like yourself, you've been through the experience, you've received the kidney transplant. Uh, people don't understand the suffering that someone goes through before they get the transplant and the worry, I suppose, as well. And in a way, some parts of your life are probably on hold uh, because you're in and out for dialysis as well to various hospitals. Yeah, correct, yeah. You know, like, so I think people will have to be educated and they'll have to uh, know if something did happen uh, to the organs. Now, I only can talk about kidneys. You know, when you do lose an organ, like of me, lost my kidneys when I was very young and um, fine and healthy before it, you know, your, 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 your kidneys could, could collapse. My kidneys just collapsed in six months. They told me in six months before that and I ended up in dialysis, which is a big shock to the system. And, you know, I think, uh, look, if a person wants to hop out or, you know, if they want to, it's up to their own. 
it's up to their own if they want to do this and they want to do that. But I think people would have to be educated more and we should be on TV more and start from the start when a person loses their kidneys, what they have to go through. And dialysis, now a lot of people don't know about dialysis. And um, dialysis is, is there just to keep you alive. And um, uh, I feel that we're not educating uh, the people about it first. Yeah, I did mention that yesterday, Joe, about education when I spoke with Colin from the Irish Kidney Association that there's a lot of information that people aren't aware of. When you mentioned dialysis there, you're in Bantry. Did you have to travel to Cork City for a dialysis or were you able to receive it locally or or were you able to have home dialysis? Yeah, no, I was on hemodialysis. Apparently dialysis and hemodialysis. And back in the... My kidney failed in 89... And uh, I, was, I was very lucky. I was only five months on dialysis. So I used to travel up and down to Cork three times a week for dialysis. And um, and you would stay on the machine, the dialysis machine, for three and three and a half hours. Now, this time around, they, uh, I'd done a course in, in, in this UH, and uh, I started to do a dialysis myself at home, the hemodialysis myself at home. Now, so that's a very dangerous job because you're dealing with blood. And um, you wouldn't want to panic on it because the machine, uh, things can go wrong. But I took that chance and uh, I did very well. And uh, it's about sticking two needles into your arm, running up a vein, make sure not to puncture the vein in the inside or the outside. And there's a lot of things to it. And I think people who want to learn about this, you know, yeah, you've been through it, so you know firsthand know. about it. Yeah, but other, others, if you haven't been through it, you're not going to be aware of what someone will go through like this. So when you got the news, you beyond dialysis, as you said there, uh, for a period of time, when you got the news, uh, when a doctor came in or whoever came in and said, we have found a donor. I mean, what goes through your mind at that time when you were told this, especially when you were even receiving dialysis yourself at home or, or going to the hospital to receive it? Well... When I was told, I was nearly four years on dialysis. And um, oh. um, when I was hurt, I was on a, on a tracks machine, a digger, and they, they told me there's a kidney up here in Dublin. Now, it mightn't be a match. It has to be a match. There's a lot of things to go before you get a transplant. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of things. You have to go on the pool. You have to you have to get the right match, the right blood count, everything, you know, which a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know about. And when I got a call, thank God I was, you have to be fit, you know, like so you have to be healthy enough to go through this operation. It's not a small operation. It's a big operation. And um, hopped off my tracks machine straight down straight away. Drove up myself. And um, so like so I think people will have to know that, that, that uh, there's a lot to it before uh, before uh, you get a kidney, it might be the right match. You know, like so there might be a sicker person before you. When I got arrived to Dublin, they said, "Look, you might not get the kidney. You might, and you mightn't." They they took me off the fasting when 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 I went up first. They said, "Look, there's another person coming in," and so like so you just hope that you will get it. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not afraid of. I, I, some people might be afraid of operations, but uh, I'm so long at it. No, I don't care about needles and I was anything. No, it's it's. 
I just go through it and that's it. I don't think about it. Yeah, so actually, the, the documentary uh, you mentioned there, when you, by the way, when you're going into surgery, I don't know if you saw the documentary from Orla Tinsley and indeed when she was being brought to surgery, it did outline that in, in a very good documentary it was from her, uh, that even though you are told you have a kidney and you may be going for a transplant, there's a lot of things that must be done beforehand. So it's not all 100% at that stage. It's not. No, no. Yeah. When, I left, when, I left, when I left country to go to Dublin, uh, it, it's... No, you're you're going up, and you're you're thinking, no, will I get it or won't I get it? So, what what I what I said, I just hope I get it, and, and that's it. And if I don't get it, I'll have to stay on dialysis. Not that dialysis is not easy. I should be doing it on three three times a week, and 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 uh, sticking needles into you know yourself. No, you don't feel so good after coming on. Yeah, and it's not easy doing that as well to yourself. Uh, also, Joe, what we discussed yesterday, opt in, opt out. Are you would you be in favour of what the Irish Kidney Association was saying of having a yes no register, or are you in favour of keeping things the way they are? There's a more call to action by hold your donor card, or are you happy enough I, with an opt out system? I, I would, and I, I the way the way I think about it, John Paul, is that people don't don't really know too much about it and if, mm. if people were, were, were uh, more educated about it what would happen to you if you did organs this fail or if, if in my case my kidneys fail do you know it could happen to anyone like if, if, if a person if a person don't want to give the organs fine I don't I don't, I don't mind that I do not accept it's up to themselves but like to say in, in, in the following morning if you put it on your driving license look I don't want to be a donor I, I want to I want to go out when I came into this world, I want to go the same way. But you are in favour no. of the opt out. I am yes. Yeah. And 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 but I like to, I like for for, for uh, uh, more education put out there. More uh, even the schools now uh, um, are telling the people what it's all about, and uh, that's the way to go. You know, they, yeah. they want to be educated first, and you know, and then they, they would think different. Yeah, education is key. You're dead right there. And how are you yourself now, health-wise, uh, a number of years later? I mean, three years ago, you had your second transplant there. Uh, how's life? Life is very good. I thank my donor every day of the week. And and um, I'm, I'm as you know, uh, I'm farming, and uh, mm. it's not an easy an easy job. No. And I'm kept going every day. Uh, it keeps myself fit. And um, never drank or smoked. Uh, my, my kidney still, still failed, and had nothing to do with it. But uh, I try to keep myself as healthy as possible. But uh, like, like I say, is that we have to get, you know, for this to work, I think people want to be educated about it, that if your kidneys do fail, that you have to go on dialysis. And out of interest, have you ever met your donor's family or did you know who they were? Sometimes you do hear stories afterwards that the family have, have reached out or you have reached out to them. Yes, I, I send the thank you card to them every year, but they, they won't right. tell you who it is. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, and, I put and, and and that person donor sends the card to me, and which is very nice, and it's very nice to send the card back, and and I would like to get to know the donor, our donor family, but they don't do that. Yeah, but at least there's, there's acknowledgement there anyhow and, and that's a good thing. For the yeah, moment, yeah. Joe, thanks for joining us. A good insight no there to your life and indeed what it's like after receiving a kidney transplant and your view on the whole situation. Joe there and Bantry. On the way, we are discussing fitness and gyms and a lot of people that are trying to get fit for the new year are being turned off maybe because of what they think or they perceive the way a gym might be or indeed fitness in general. 
some people have told us they're put off by going for a run. We're discussing that with a personal trainer after midday, plus a lot of calls and comments coming in to us on driver behaviour and indeed uh, Padjo's text regarding uh, drivers over the age of 65. He feels they should not be allowed to drive on the road. That and more is Cork today with you until one. John Paul McNamara in for Patricia Messenger until one. Bernie takes your calls and comments 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now on the issue we spoke about earlier on the show on cycling and the law that isn't coming in now has been abandoned about the distance between cars overtaking cyclists. That had now been abandoned. We discussed that but also a lot of other issues came up to do with cyclists and indeed how both cyclists and motorists use the road a lot of people felt that cyclists even though they are fined and can be fined that they should have penalty points uh, when we spoke to Peter Horgan Labour Rep on that who is a cyclist he felt no well Liz though says in China I noticed that all bicycles have small licence plates and are all taxed imagine the revenue that is made and put back into the roads everyone seems to have a bike and cycle in China says Liz while another text is saying uh, why don't cyclists have to do a theory test at least before being allowed to use the roadway. Anna Mallow is asking, what is the law about cycling on footpaths? If there is a lot of it about and they travel fairly fast, is there a law about cycling on footpaths? I'm not too sure. I'll have to check that out. If anybody does know if there is a law on cycling on footpaths, let us know. Sometimes I do see cyclists and it's nearly safer for them to use the actual footpath without actually going onto the road. But is there a law against it? We'll check that out. Obviously, narrow footpaths, it can have an issue as well. Uh, while Jer says that the Monaghan Road and the Blackrock Road in the city are full of cyclists, not their fault, but I don't think these roads can take cyclists. They're too narrow. Uh, two cars can barely fit down at some times because a car's parked on either side of the road, especially on the Black Rock Road. On the Monaghan Road, there is a walkway nearby. Could the cyclists not use that particular walkway or extend that with a cycle lane? Uh, there's no room for both the cyclists and drivers on especially the Monaghan Road. And there's a problem as well on the Black Rock Road, says Jur, who I presume is either working in that area or living in that area of the city. And on roads and a different aspect, Dan and Mallow says, Hi JP, has anyone seen the state of the grass margin on the way into Bottevent from Ballyhay. I counted about 30 burst black bags of rubbish all along there. It's disgusting. People are just throwing the bags from the car while driving. Is there anyone in the council investigating this? It's been like this for months and it's getting worse feels Dan in Mallow. Have you noticed that? I haven't been on that stretch Dan I must admit uh, since before uh, Christmas but are you on that stretch of road like Dan is have you noticed this uh, on the grass margin from Buttermint to Ballyhay uh, black bags rubbish dumped and the black bags have burst and there's rubbish all over the road uh, we will let the council know about that Dan and if anybody has seen that let us know as well and staying on roads and this was the issue earlier from Paggio when we were discussing slow drivers and fast drivers um, Paggio felt that when drivers reach the age of 65 that when they reach that age or over uh, they should be chucked off the road that's what Paggio said well a reaction to that on WhatsApp and texts and phones to Bernie 
First of all, Kevin uh, says, uh, Hi JP, I think Padja must have the same brain as Lord Shane Ross. Uh, they haven't a brain between them, says Kevin on uh, Padjo's comment. While Audrey says, I do not agree with people to get off the road at 65. It should be up to people uh, and the people's doctor, uh, said Audrey. While another texter says that Padjo is ageist, how dare he want us off the road after the age of 65? I'd like to hear what he thinks when he gets uh, to the age of 65 himself uh, and that's true everybody's going to age regardless who or what we are uh, also another texter says and I can't say this but basically saying telling Padgett to go away that he will be 65 too someday and Heidi says what about the guy saying not driving after 65 years old well he needs to be in touch with studies that show that older drivers are safer on the whole it's not me saying this but the studies uh, says Heidi and on slow drivers Jordan Yol says that she was going to a funeral and an elderly man was going too slow in front of her uh, when she was driving and then on Tuesday outside Tower Village a driver was doing 20 miles per hour all the way from Tower to Blarney says Jer in Yol and Dermot uh, is in the Intragila area and he drives 160 kilometres per day for his job. He says a lot of the roads have grass growing in the middle of them and there is barely room for his van. If he meets a car coming the other way, he has to back up. Shane Ross does not understand the situation because he does not have a car or a driver's licence, feels Dermot, on the condition of our roads. And back to cyclists again, Pat is in East Cork. He's a bus driver in the East Cork area. He is driving for 46 years and before Christmas he said he saw four cyclists who went through a red light they were all together three of them were cycling abreast and one behind he often sees cyclists blocking the road by cycling abreast as says Pat in the East Cork area to Burnie on 1850 333 and we spoke uh, just after 11 there to Dermot O'Flynn from the group Bally Hay says no of course they continue to march their first march this particular Sunday in Bally Hay from 10.30am because they are just highlighting the amount of bank debt that Ireland as a country is paying back and of course it's being paid back by you and me in our taxes. Well, Timmy in Donrell agrees with Dermot but is asking why are they confining it to Bally Hay? Everyone came out at the time of the water charges so why don't people come out and object now? We have been paying the bad debts of failed developers and a lot of those developers are back in business now. It is time to name and shame those developers now. Yeah, Timmy, I think a lot of people would agree with you there on your point of naming and shaming developers. There is a lot of developers who did go bust who are probably the cause of us paying back all this particular debt as well uh, and have living a lot of areas of our county towns left derelict for a lot of years, a lot of building sites, a lot of housing estates left half finished because these developers went bust. Uh, some estates went into NAMA and then we had developers coming back under different names, buying estates off NAMA at a reduced price and some others are starting up again under different names but there were the ones who went bust owe millions where the millions goes I don't know that they owe uh, but they do owe millions or did owe millions they go away they come back again under different names start building houses and yet they are back in business and Timmy feels that these developers should be named and shamed and yeah Timmy I think you're right and it's unfair to think that the ordinary working person is out every day uh, trying to make a living doing the best they can uh, 
and a lot of people unfortunately cannot get worked in because of what has happened and are on social welfare and even social welfare has been affected and various payments have been affected as well over uh, the last number of years all because of what went on and that was one of the things that went on by those developers so Timmy thank you for that regarding Betty Hay I can't speak for them, but I do know everybody taking part that is organised that is living in the Ballyhay area. So they are organising that there because they're in that particular area. And I think now Ballyhay says no has become a group that is known across the country. I suppose other towns did get involved for a while with similar campaigns with their town name says no. Uh, Why others can't come out? I mean, they're welcoming people to come and join them on Sunday in Ballyhay so people are welcome to go along and protest there I suppose it's up to other communities if they want to set up those protest marches against the bank debt and what debt we are paying here in this country similar to what he mentioned the time of the water charges so it's up to people to organise those for, but for the group themselves Ballyhay Dermot from Ballyhay are living in Ballyhay anyhow and, and all those other people that are, are with them that we've spoken to over the years the majority are from that area uh, but you know I presume if people want to set up one they, they can themselves or go along and join them uh, thank you for your call Timmy on that uh, also on the issue of, of staying with that particular issue of Bally Hay says no one and the whole bank debt and what we're paying back each and every day uh, in millions and what money we're destroying as well in millions that could be going to better use uh, Heidi again back on WhatsApp on that issue says it's the guys and girls that go to work every day they are the ones that are having their backs broken let not for the let not forget these families also have children in schools that are paying through the nose for what schools want for this and that and then we have the children that have to go to college and there's fees for that accommodation books and add this with fuel food rent and a lot more the list just goes on while we didn't have TDs not helping these hard working people trying to keep their heads above water it's about time this government got out in the real world and saw what actually is happening here we need to vote for people that care for what matters to us not the ones that feather their own nests says Heidi and Morris saying is there any chance that that man is running for election in May I don't think he is I know the MEP elections are on in May but I mean, he has met various MEPs, but as far as we're now, no, he's not running for election uh, in May. I think that was the reason why he was on and speaking to us. The reason that he was on was for the Ballyhay says no group are just starting off another march. We hadn't spoken to Dermot for a while, so we said we touched back with him on the particular issue of bank debt and what we we're all paying, and indeed that the march is happening locally uh, in Ballyhay. Uh, so it wasn't that, that they, you know, it's something they do each and every Sunday in Ballyhay. It isn't something new. They do this every Sunday in Ballyhay. But thank you for your text, Morris, on that. 1850 Lines are open. Text or WhatsApp 086 2103103. I mentioned there rubbish and black bags burst on the road from Butterfin towards Betty. Hey, I uh, got a text just in here with a picture saying out walking yesterday in the West Cork area and this is all the Christmas remains. I see a picture here in front of me of a black bag with a, it's burst, it's open. It looks like a milk carton, uh, some cardboard and it looks like a I don't know is that a bottle of vodka or something kind of sticking out from the bag and that should be in a recycling uh, thing anyway in the first place but that's what it looks like sticking out of the bag anyhow and other items of rubbish in a ditch somewhere as this texture says in the West Cork area lying in a ditch and rubbish flying everywhere and that is also on the road as we mentioned there from Butterman to Ballyhay as well your calls and comments are welcome 1850 on the way are you thinking about getting fit for 2019 and a lot of people over the last week or so when we spoke with Annalise on Wednesday 
want to get fit, slow to go to a gym though. Uh, are just a bit slow to walk into a gym on their own and they're kind of feeling, am I going to go in? And you've all these muscly guys and girls in there who are all used to a gym. And will I be put off for that? Well, we're discussing that, how not to be put off going to a gym and also don't be put off uh, putting on a tracksuit and walking around your local town because a lot of people are seeing money. Uh, that and more on the way if you're uh, into or want to get fit this particular new year. Alistair Hart, a personal trainer, will join us next. The C103 Cork Diary. With the Wellbeing Network. Learn, give, be active, take notice and connect. See the wellbeingnetwork.ie. A new classical society will hold a classical concert in Fermoy. That is on this evening from 7.30 in the Youth Centre in Fermoy. Awarded musicians and singers will perform. Contact Concerto at gmail.com. Timalee Community Bingo that returns for another year tonight at the local community hall in Timalee. Starts there at 8.45pm. And Belly Hay Community Group, they will hold a tractor run. That's on this Sunday with registration from 10.30am at the Corbett Court Restaurant for 11 40am rollout. Proceeds there go to Marymount and Milford Hospice. Clonakilty Community Resource Centre will host the Coffee Morning Fundraiser from 9am to 1pm and that's on this coming Sunday in the local parish centre in Clon. And McCroom Annual Plumbing Match, that will be held on the lands of the Healy family Carrick Thal Coachford on this coming Sunday from 11.30am. Results in Coolcower House from 9pm and you can register from 2 o'clock on January the 5th to 08 7292 sorry 0872827092 that number again 0872827092 and St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove uh, they're kicking off a year of centenary celebrations with an epiphany concert that's going ahead on this coming Sunday from 5 to 7 it's featuring local choirs a candlelight procession and refreshments afterwards a welcome to this special concert for many in the Cork area in Cove Cork today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 This time of the year people are thinking of getting fit after all the food and drink over the Christmas and New Year period one man who turned his life into fitness is Alistair Hart and he joins me in studio this afternoon Good afternoon to you Alistair Hi JP, thanks for having me And thanks for joining us Uh, Just your own story first of all you weren't always into fitness and Mm -hmm. you turned your life, life around to get into it Tell us about that Indeed so um, at, at the moment I'm, I'm 37 and yes I'm heavily involved in fitness and um, it wasn't always that way so I came to fitness quite late I would have been 28 um, my, my early 20s I suppose my late teens and my early 20s would have been somewhat colourful um, dabbled in most most uh, most things I think that young people at that age do and suffered with um, some addictions so after beating those I decided to you know try to make myself live a bit longer and, and obviously be a, a better role model for my um, my children so I decided to go to the gym I think the, the main goal at the start was to actually uh, to play a game of rugby um, and all my friends were, were telling me that uh, they'd use me as the flag or use me as the ball because it was, uh, it was only about 50 something kilos I was tiny um, but anyway to cut a long story short I joined the gym um, and f- just fell in love with fitness immediately and uh, you know saw my body change and, and, and progress and it was it was kind of from there really that uh, everything stemmed uh, I left my job in the motor trade and 
um, became a, a qualified personal trainer. And um, it kind of went from there, really. There's a bit of a long story following it, but um, I eventually then opened my own gym in 2017, which is in Lissabard in Clannacilty, and I've recently just opened a second one in Skibbereen, and that's open since the 8th of December. The gyms are called Body Image Health and Fitness, and we work with um, people of all different fitness levels, different ages. We do children's fitness classes from the age of seven upwards, um, and my kind of ethos is that we have a little bit of everything for everyone um, and that you know I just I suppose I want to share my experience of how fitness helped save me for want of a better expression yeah um, because people listening today will might be in your situation that you were a number of years ago you might have people who have a, a situation whereby life is turned for them they're in the up drinking a lot they're dabbling in different things at the mm-hmm. moment when did you notice if you were out at a young age drinking as a lot of people do in the early 20s it's time for partying there's yeah. college life some people though take it to the next extreme when did you feel it was time to stop and how did you turn from the drinking side of things and dabbling in drugs and all of that the turning into fitness where did the stop sign come from you it was it was strange because I'm kind of an all or nothing type of guy so whatever I'm into I'm, I'm really into it um, and Unfortunately, I suppose my, my, my drinking was the last vice that I had and I would go missing for a few days uh, drinking. And I remember waking up one Sunday morning and being in a, an early house and just looking and I was the only one there. And I was probably the youngest person that would frequent that pub anyway. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there and I had this kind of light bulb moment and I went, what are you doing? You know, and I'll never forget it. That was the 13th of December. And on the 15th of December, I joined a, I joined a gym. Um, that that was a Sunday, and I joined the gym on a Tuesday. You realised life had to change. Yeah, I just realised. I said, "What you know? What are you doing? You're you're so young. You're you're yeah. wasting everything." Um, you've got a uh, young family that thankfully didn't didn't know what was going on at at, at the moment, and um, I just said like things have things have to change, you know. And what age were you at that stage? What age was I? I was twenty eight at that stage. Um, and I uh, yeah I mean like when I like I look back at it now and I think that I wasted so much time but I think fitness is it's the the, the fitness bubble that Ireland's in at the minute mm. um, you know if you look back 20 years ago there was none of that you know Nothing, and it's yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's peculiar but the thing is I suppose like with, with so many younger clients and things I have no I don't have an age restriction on my gym like we've 13 14 year olds coming into the gym and I really, really have a soft spot for those kids because I'd l- I'm, I really want to put a foundations in place to prevent, you know, teens going wrong because I feel that like that half a dozen years of, of turning from your teens into your 20s will determine the rest of your life and, and can dramatically put you the right way or the wrong way. And it can happen so easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that that's why I, um, I, you know, I really focus on making sure that those kids um, come in, they get instructed properly, they don't lift heavy weights, they, they understand about the biomechanics of their body and the, the pros and cons of eating healthily as well. Because they're still growing up at that age of 13, 14, their body's still developing so they Absolutely. have to be careful with weights. You must be very careful, yeah. And for yourself, you mentioned there about playing rugby and your friends calling you over the fact that they yeah. could use you as a flagpole how long did it take you then to build because you were I presume a small enough build yeah. before you went to the gym and got very fit absolutely it's, it took me I suppose um, it took me definitely two years before 
I could see a nice bit of muscle coming on. The thing was, I have very fast metabolism, which means that I can eat a lot um, and burn it off quite quickly. And that's harder to put on actual size than somebody with a slow metabolism oh. um, who puts on size easier but tends to have an issue then storing body fat. Um, so my metabolism, I had to manipulate it. Um, and by doing that, I manipulated it with food. So it just meant eating and eating eating the right stuff, not the wrong stuff, and training uh, smartly, you know. Um, and to be honest, if I didn't get the right advice from the start, I wouldn't have uh, put on that size in the amount of time that I did. Um, but making sure that you have the right advice from the right people definitely, definitely helps, you know. And it's tough the way you describe it there because you have to eat more than maybe someone who has a different type body that mm-hmm. is a bigger build yeah. that needs to lose the weight first and then gain the muscle and they can gain muscle a lot faster than someone in your position. So that is tougher to do for you, definitely. especially from where you were coming from at that time. Mm-hmm. Quite, yeah. So for yourself, you build up the muscle over two years and just one thing when we're speaking about fitness and building up and all of that, it's good for your body as well, for your bones, mm-hmm. for your mental health. That's one thing that people might not always associate with gym is that there is a health benefit here mm. but also outside of the body uh, helping people and this time of the year we do hear a lot about mental health issues people suffering from depression for various reasons as you go into a new year a new start not everybody wants to start new mm. or wants to start fresh but by going to a gym a lot of people have found over the years whatever it is with working out it does seem to deal with mental health issues that's something that you have come across as well over your time in the gym and yourself helping people absolutely JP the thing is that when you exercise whether it be going for a walk or run whether you're resistance training no matter what it is exercise in general releases endorphins which are happy hormones so that's a natural high that you've created yourself that coupled with eating the right food um, can give you massive, massive mental health benefits and give you much uh, clearer um, clarity in your in your thought process. Um, and, and there's only good to be said about it. I've suffered, you know, with mental health issues, and I'd be I'm I'm the first to always speak out about it. Uh, with some of the, the the clients that I have, we with them all really, I work from the inside out with the body. With the end the end product of what you're looking at is that's the byproduct of what we've done internally. Mm. I never look at someone and go, you know, someone comes into me and say, oh, I want to lose X and I, or I want to put on Y or whatever the case is. If you're just targeting that, you're, it's like breaking your leg and putting a plaster over it. You know, the, the Band-Aid won't fix the break in the leg, but you've got to, it, it's much more deep-rooted than that. And the psychological um, benefits from exercise are fantastic, but you've got to address possibly why you've got the weight on you in the first place. Do you have a poor relationship towards food? Did you take a load of supplements at one time trying to lose weight and then you rebounded badly? Or are you someone that has an addictive personality? You, you know, you're going out all the time, whatever the case is. So I'd always look at everybody's background sit down, talk to them. I give them an honest opinion for me and where I came from and how I, you know, how, how I see um, them and how, it can, how I can fix them. Um, and we work from there. And like I say, the, the byproduct um, is the aesthetic outside. But once you're fixed from the inside, you know, that, that, that's, that's fixing it properly. And that makes all the difference then as well. And people then, when they get into the, the fitness side of things, they see a difference and that gives them a positive turnaround as Absolutely, well. They can see yeah. a difference in their body mm. plus inside their body yeah. as well. And, and that's a huge thing. So for yourself, the time went on, you were in the gym yourself and you decided that 
you'd go along gain uh, experience and then become a personal trainer now as you mentioned there we are in a fitness bubble five years in the last five years especially it's a massive industry in this country so many new gyms opening up everywhere you go it's the fastest growing industry in the country at the minute if you look at the if you look at the figures of it in comparison to England we're actually or the UK rather um, we're actually in a bigger fitness bubble than the UK uh, you know, because of their population. No, it's, it's very, very big over there, but they have a massive population. But everybody here is is getting into it. I've had people that come into came into the gym to me, older generation people that I wouldn't have thought I'd have ever seen in there, and they're some of the people that have come away with the best results, and you know, are so so grateful for finding that, and also. There isn't a stigma attached to it anymore. Um, you and I are the same age, and we know that 20 years ago, if we were seen running around the place, you know, trying to get fit, people would laugh at us. They would, yeah. You know, and that 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 isn't the case anymore. It's almost you get laughed at now if you're not doing something. Yeah. You know, it's completely role reversed. It's totally changed. Yeah. 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 Because of that change, have you noticed that now more people will come into a gym, will go for a run, and they're not ashamed as it was there back in the late nineties, early two mm. thousands. It's like a foreign country years ago when we looked at the soaps from mm. abroad and people running away on beaches, whatever. Absolutely. That was never seen here. Now it is. Is the mind change coming slowly but surely across all ages? Now? Yeah, absolutely. I think. One of the things that we did in 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 the gym um, just after Storm Ophelia hit, I obviously I wasn't that it was my first year in business in my first gym. Storm Ophelia hit, and all of a sudden, you know, we had no power for four or five days. I had wages to pay, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" So I was there. Let's start a, a program where we get. Um, a bunch of people in and you know uh, we called it Operation Transformation mm-hmm. and uh, wherever we found that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we took uh, we took a bunch of people and uh, we took them individually um, and we started working with them um, g- basically um, getting their nutrition right um, with me doing the nutrition and my personal trainer Steve we're getting Steve doing the personal training with them and getting them used to the gym and these were all people that, that would never have been in a gym scenario before but the point in getting to here is that when those people came through the program and did fantastically well and developed their love for the gym and the personal training, the way we do it, it's very, very, you know, one on one. There's no, you know, we're, there's mm. people are spoken to on a nice level. And um, these people were normal, everyday people that were then going to school to pick up their kids. Their neighbors would see them and go, hang on a second. What, what are you doing? And they would say, well, I've been to see, you know, yeah, Steve Morales. And the change is happening. And they go, well, if he or she can do it, I can do it. And it, it, it went from there. And that social aspect of it then became, oh, you know, that's quite normal. It's quite normal now to go to the gym, you know. And people know when they go to a gym, they don't need to be nervous. That's the main thing. I think you'll get yeah. that from going to a gym, going for a run in your own hometown. People think, no, can't go for a run because people will say, what's your man up to? What yeah. am I up to? And if I go to a gym, I'm going to be sitting there looking at all these guys who are muscles, all these women well-toned and I'm not that has to go out of the head because that has to go that's that's. I think that's a cognitive bias that we, we just have I think it's a you know we're creatures of habit and if we go into a new environment whether it's a first day in school first day in a new job mm. first day in college first day in the gym we're always we're always on the negative and we're thinking that you know well, what's he or she doing here Um but the, the the thing is that people within the gym environment are there because they are not happy with themselves, whether it's on a, um, you know, an aesthetical level or whether it's on a, a mental level. People are there to change. And the only person they're concentrating on inside there is themselves. Yeah. And, and people will realize after they finish their first session. Yeah. Everybody's the same. Everybody's, no matter if you're yeah. six foot five foot of muscle or if you're five foot eleven and you're skinny or if you're overweight or whatever. Exactly. Everybody will be looking for the same aim at the end. Mm. Uh, speaking of, of gyms and body image, I suppose, overall body image is becoming a big thing 
not only in Ireland but across the world in the last year or so I think this year the big thing for body image was Love Island and a lot of talk came out of Love Island and people yeah. can, uh, can go and try and get the best body image they want by doing it the way you guys do but we've heard a lot about steroids as well over the last year in particular mm-hmm. your views on that are you worried when you see younger people who were maybe dabbling in steroids yeah like the thing is about young people especially there is no there is no you see people are always looking for a quick fix okay um, and the thing is especially for young people they're producing so much natural um, hormones themselves they don't need it you know but the thing is you can't take a steroid and wake up the next morning and get big from it it doesn't work that way all it does uh, depending a- a- upon whatever it is it just helps you recover quicker so you still got to go to the gym you still got to eat you still got to you've still got to do everything else the same the only difference is it might put a cherry on the cake. That's it. You still got to bake the cake. And this is what people uneducated. I was taught all this in college. It was part of it was part of it because it's um, performance enhancing drugs are such a huge thing in the fitness industry. So I was I was educated on it to what I knew um, that if someone was coming to me, then, you know, I'd be, I'd be able to explain about it. Um, so it's it's it really is something that is thought of that if you take something, you automatically look like these people from the television. That's not the case. And you don't need to do it. You know, you can do so much good stuff with your own body. You know, you you don't need to go down that road. And the big thing why people are doing it is because social media, Facebook, Instagram, it's Mm. huge at the moment. They'll see some of their friends who have the six pack, who have the muscles and the same guy will think, I need to do that. The girls are looking at all these ones on Instagram Mm. who are models from wherever they are, Australia, Mm. America, the UK. They want to look like them. Is that putting a lot of pressure on... It was always girls, but now we're seeing fellas as well being under pressure from the likes of Instagram and those huge. social websites. It's huge, JP. I can't tell you the the amount of pressure that young kids have put on. I've recently... Um, I've spoken a couple of times in the um, in the girls' school in, uh, in Clan Guilty. I've also spoken on St. Michael as well. And one of the things that I'm trying to point I'm trying to get across to people is, you know, Instagram especially... Is should be called Insta lies because none <laughs> yeah. of it is real. Yeah. Um. You've you know these people that are posting pictures have probably taken about a hundred of them. Uh, they've changed the they've changed so much about the the lighting on it. And I've met a good few people in real life that bear no resemblance to what they do online. And you're just there going, wow, that's crazy. I would rather be the guy that you meet in person. And go, geez, he does. He looks. He looks way better in real life than than he does on Instagram. And so, the, so many models would go out of business in the morning and think if Instagram went down. And that's that's the thing that if I can give any piece of advice to anybody from the age of kind of fourteen upwards, please unfollow the accounts that don't add value. If you're looking at some, if you're looking at someone that you're following, and you're there going, oh my god, I you know this that or the other unfollow them it, it's not healthy my social media feed is from people that I either know very well or accounts that benefit me and I go wow geez that's amazing you know um, I have a lot of nutritional stuff that I would follow and things like that but anybody else I, I get rid of it you know yeah it could be overthinking sometimes Absolutely. And I, I can do things worse so uh, from listening uh, from your advice there on what's happening in the world of fitness we have people now who are sitting at home listening to this who may have overindulged during the New Year's period and Christmas period so a bit of advice we're giving across the show this week on how people can remain fit what the right foods are to eat because a lot of people think I won't eat for a week I'll mm. call 
cut back on all these extra food and all these uh, various snacks I've been mm. having and that will sort me but that can actually be the wrong thing to do it's everything in moderation really and I think you would agree Correct. with that yeah well just to touch on that JP and this is probably when I do my nutrition consultations mm. one of the biggest things that I find is people that come into me that have um, a lot of body fat to lose are the ones that eat the least and they would be people that starve themselves. So if you condition yourself, like you were saying there, uh, to say, OK, um, I'm not going to eat that much for a week and I'm going to lose weight. So you're conditioning your body to run on less fuel and you do that. And then after about a week um, or two weeks or whatever the case is, you start introducing higher calorie foods again or going back to normal. Uh, you'll, in fact, rebound and put all the weight back on. Um, so my advice to anyone is, Make sure you eat little and often. Uh, anybody on my programs, whether they're weight loss or weight gain, um, I would have them eating between five and six times a day. So we'd have a breakfast, a mid-morning, a lunch, mid-afternoon, evening meal, and then something before bed. But it's important that you give your metabolism multiple jobs to do during the day. That's your body's ability to convert food into energy. That coupled then with activity. Activity, I can't tell you um, how important walking around is, being active forget the gym don't go to you don't need to go to the gym you just need to be active and if I can give any piece of advice if anyone has a Fitbit or a way of tracking their steps have a look at your step count for the day um, some of the biggest problems I face with online clients that I have doing nutrition is the ones that have office jobs that are sitting down yeah. you know um, you're sitting down all day you're still consuming a load of calories but you're not burning it off so if you were very very active and you were, or you were conscious to get your step count up and said you know what uh, I had one lady that, that lives in Dublin she gets off two bus stops before she's supposed to because she walks the rest of the way because she's trying to get her step count up because she's sitting down all day activity you don't need a gym membership for a year you don't need to attend every spinning class there is just move movement and for people who were in that mind frame of yes they agree with you they want to move would they need to set something like a diary in place if they are saying I have a busy life you know I can't do all of this but if you set it aside instead of watching your favourite soap at 7 o'clock yeah. or half at 7 go for a half an hour's walk in the evening Absolutely. with a friend and maybe devise a plan for the week if you feel like you don't need to go to the gym but you still want to be active something yeah. like that might help somebody Absolutely yeah. the, the, one of the things that surrounds things like that JP is boredom you know and I think <laughs> Audio is huge. Audio is yeah. getting much bigger, whether it be an audio book, mm. podcasts, uh, interviews such as this, things that will add value to the, the person's life. So depending upon the type of person you are, depending upon your interests, put in your headphones, go for a walk. Um, listen to a podcast listen listen to an audio book of something that's going to benefit your life you know I if I'm going on a long drive I'll listen to a podcast and a, or an audio book and I'm turning my car into a library on wheels so you know I've got guys that have long commutes and I'm there going mm. well you you can really benefit yourself in, in that time um, by consuming the right content. So that then in turn makes it enjoyable because if you're listening to something, you don't see the time going. You're going, whoa, you know. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even getting the body with you and running along and having the chat and catch Abs up and absolutely. stuff again. Anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alistair, I appreciate all the advice, your mining information. We could chat to you all day, but we have to go because <laughs> no time is against us. But thanks for calling into us. And again, if people want to contact you, your body image, health and fitness in, in Clan and Skib, uh, how can they get in contact with you online? You can get in contact with me online through multiple different um, platforms. So I have Instagram, which is at Alistair underscore heart. Um, Facebook is Alistair Hart Body Image Health and Fitness. Or you can message me through the website at bodyimage.ie. 
Alistair, thanks for joining us GP, this afternoon in the studio. Alistair Hart. Work today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And uh, thanks to Alistair for joining us. Good tips on getting fish and uh, joining gyms and not even joining gyms, but going around and taking a run for yourself in your local area, a local park and not being ashamed of doing that uh, for those who want to get fish for 2019. Now, uh, before that, we had a lot of calls in. Uh, one initially about between Ballyhay and Buttevant and then we got more calls from various areas as well um, that are f- seeing rubbish being dumped in their area it especially seems to be among ditches and kind of off track or along roadsides not in obvious areas from pictures I'm getting here on WhatsApp and thank you to the various people who have sent in pictures of rubbish being dumped in various areas of Cork in the last uh, 30 minutes or so uh, we are going to deal with this issue on Monday because we've got so many calls since, since I just mentioned the first call there uh, in the Mallow area and in the Butterfield to Ballyhay area of rubbish. We've got a lot of calls in and I can see a lot still coming into us on text as I speak to you at the moment. Uh, but one text that has come in here, uh, this is in the Park Road in Mallow, a text is saying, I was waiting uh, by that area of Mallow yesterday evening for a bus on the Park Road and two girls were eating at a table nearby. They got up and they left their rubbish on the table and they were about six feet away from a bin. That's just a disgrace, says that particular texter. So we will go back to the issue of rubbish. Um, it was just so many causes comments coming in I won't get to them all between now and the end of the show but we will get back to that on Monday because people are annoyed especially landowners who were coming across rubbish in their areas in their ditches in their fields and it's not their rubbish but they're uh, cleaning it up or indeed uh, one text from Elizabeth who said there was a black bag thrown into my ditch which fell into my lawn only yesterday evening I don't know why someone would it looked like throw a bag out of a moving car says Elizabeth so we will get back to that particular issue on our show on Monday if you have any examples of rubbish dumped over the weekend and you have evidence and you've taken a photo send it on to us jp at c103.ie that is our email address or indeed you can send the picture uh, via private message on Facebook as well you can do that to the C103 Facebook account just search for C103 Cork now I spoke earlier to the Bally Hay says no group and to Dermot O'Flynn and how much we are all paying basically on a daily basis in our taxes after we bailing out the banks and dealing with the bank debt in this country Dan uh, says could I request that you contact our local TDs for example in Cork East Kevin O'Keefe Davis Danton and others and ask them to respond to the points raised by Mr Flynn in your interview with him it would give us an insight into what indeed we are voting for as Mr Flynn put it says Dan good point Dan I know we've raised the issues that he has raised over the years to various uh, TDs and deputies in all areas of Cork but we will do that over time and thank you for your text Dan to 0862103103 can I say a big congrats to the lads in St Coleman Secondary School in Formoy they raised in a sex of 30k yeah over 30k uh, they raised money wise uh, for the charities out of their single remember the big single they released there before Christmas uh, Lean On Me we played it here so many times well done to them anyhow uh, charities that will receive over 30,000 euros include Crumlin Children's Hospital Ronald McDonald's House Bumbleands and families affected by cancer so well done to them there at St Coleman Secondary School in Formoy
Toto, who played the marquee this year, one of the big hits, Africa, at C103. That's it. We're back with you again on Monday morning from 10am with Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. Can I just say hello to the Kilmichael singers who were singing in hospitals across Christmas. They want to be, wish a big happy birthday to a lovely lady who is 101. So hello to you and happy Christmas. I want to say happy Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year at this stage. Anyhow, uh, thanks for that. Back Monday from 10am uh, with Cork Today. Enjoy your weekend. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.